Proverbs 17. Proverbs chapter 17. We're right in the middle, actually, this week, right in the middle of our series, Foolproofing Your Life, and talking about taking uh, biblical principles from Proverbs, applying them to our life, and helping us not to be a fool. Amen. How many don't want to be a fool tonight? How many want to live foolishly? How many, don't, how many want to make less foolish mistakes? Amen. I'm right there with you. And so Proverbs 17, uh, I uh, titled the message tonight, and I think you'll understand it in a minute. The message title tonight is, Will You Ever Learn? Will You Ever Learn? Look at Proverbs 17. We're actually going to skip through several verses here and uh, just follow along as I read. Proverbs 17, verse 7 says, Excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. Verse 10 a reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes in a fool. Verse 11, an evil man seeketh only rebellion after a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Verse 12, let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. Verse 16, wherefore is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom, seeing he hath no heart to it? Verse 21, he that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Verse 24, wisdom is before him that hath understanding, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. Verse 25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Verse 28, I love this verse. This is probably my life verse. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And all God's people said, amen to that. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Proverbs 17 has much to say about the fool. This chapter specifically mentions the word fool or foolish nine different times in 28 verses. This series has been centered around the thought of foolproofing your life. And certainly as Christians, we should do our absolute best to avoid living foolishly. This is our goal, <laughs> to not live foolishly, to avoid becoming like the fool. And if we're going to do that, then we need Proverbs as our field guide. And if Proverbs is our field guide, then chapter 17 is one of the most important chapters. Now stick with me during this thought process and then we'll pray. Have you ever wondered if there are certain people, maybe you thought this about yourself, whether due to some sort of way that you're raised or were raised or perhaps environmental reasons, are just destined for foolishness. Maybe being foolish is a personality disorder that cannot be corrected. Can anybody, no matter who they are, how they're raised, where they're from, what they've done in the past, can, can anyone avoid becoming a fool? It seems like there are some people that just have a proclivity to foolish behavior. But then I'm reminded how often I have been foolish and how many foolish things I've done in my life. Doing foolish things does not define who we are. If you have done foolish things in your life, join the club, amen? But there is no one who has to live their life as a fool. We've all done foolish things, but nobody has to live their life as a fool. Matthew chapter number 19, verse 26 says this, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. With God, even the person who you think God can't do anything with that person, that's the person that God can do something with. 
I believe that when it comes to some people, foolishness might be inevitable. And there's no amount of punishment, no amount of therapy, no amount of rehabilitation that can, quote, fix them. But with Christ, I said with Christ, all things are possible. So tonight, if you know Christ as your Savior and Christ is in your heart, you have the supernatural ability through the power of God to change, to learn, to grow. Maybe you're here tonight, you do not know Christ as your Savior. Let me just share with you tonight, that's the best decision you can make tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray that you meet with us now over the next few minutes. Speak to our hearts as we learn from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever known someone who, even though they suffer many consequences and experience and repeat painful experiences, but they just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Have you ever met somebody like that? Maybe a teenager who continues to cheat even after they fail that test or fail the next test, or the guy who gets arrested over and over again for the same crimes, or maybe the husband who sleeps on the couch too often because of the things that he says time and time again. There's a phrase we use in English sometimes when we see things like that, and maybe you've said this, I know I have said that, this When will you ever learn? When will you ever learn? I believe tonight that the key for the Christian and the key for the wise person is to learn. It's just to learn. How many of you have ever made a mistake? How many of you ever made a mistake and you thought, man, I wish I never did that? Oh, I could write you a book about my mistakes. And we make mistakes, and yes, because we're humans and, and we're flawed, but We don't have to live in a cycle of foolishness. We can learn from our mistakes. Better yet, we can learn from other people's mistakes. Amen? My dad says it, used to tell me all the time growing up, you don't have to get hit by a Mack truck to know that it hurts. So tonight, my first question before we even begin the message is, are you saved? Do you know for sure that heaven is your home? Because the the pivot, listen up here, the pivotal point behind living this way, whether it's foolish or not foolish, the pivotal point here is having Christ in your life and Christ in your heart. I don't know everybody in the room. I know some of you I've known a long time. Let me tell you, I sat in church for many years and, and, and until I came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and admitted for myself that I needed him, I struggled with this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if there, uh, if Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in other words, they believe in Christ, they believe that he died on the cross, they believe he was raised from the dead, they are in Christ, they're saved, they know Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all all things are become what? New. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I have a five-year-old. Tell you, that's the smartest kid I've ever met in my life. He is so smart. And uh, he, he can, I'm not making this up right now. I'm telling you the truth. Everybody thinks their kids are smart. How many of you moms think your kids are smart? See, I told you. Uh, don't raise your hand if you don't think they're smart. <laughs> of course, they probably won't even notice. But anyway, um, just kidding. We're sitting in the car. My son is five. And he goes, he said something about three fours is 12. He's five. And I said, son, three fours is 12. So that's pretty good. That's multiplying. And I said, son, what, how many is four fours? He's five. Not using fingers or a piece of paper. He goes, 16. 
And I thought, Lord, help us. We're in big trouble. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and on and on. He's a smart kid. But let me tell you something. He's a sinner. He's almost too smart. You know what I mean? You know, his mom and I didn't teach him how to do that. It was in his nature to sin. And uh, I'll never forget the first time my kids, when they first started sinning, it's almost, it's almost kind of funny. Nobody taught them how to, nobody taught the two-year-old how to reach into mom's purse and look back to see if anybody's watching. Where does that come from? It comes from within us. Our nature is sinful. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans uh, 3.23 tells us we're all sinners. Romans 6.23 tells us there's a penalty for that sin. Everybody pretty much you talk to understands that in the afterlife, after death, there's a heaven, and that's where everybody wants to go. Some people say, well, everyone's going to heaven. I mean, we're just kind of all on the different path to get there. And then what the Bible teaches, there's also a place called hell. Romans 6.23 says the wage of sin is death. The wage of sin is death, the cost of sin. Death and hell, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The Bible teaches us that. And so we know that there's a penalty for our sin. We also understand that thing behind me right there, that beautiful symbol, the cross. Because of the cross, Jesus paid for our sins. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love. That means he demonstrates his love. Kind of like when you were dating your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you'd buy them a gift. You're demonstrating, you're commending your love. You're showing them how much you love them. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, even at our worst, he died for us. Let me tell you, I would, there's some people in this room I would die for in a heartbeat. My family's one of them. Some of you, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. The Bible says that for a righteous man, per adventure, would some even dare to die? Why? Some would even, uh, I, there are people that I'd take a bullet for, and I'm sure you would too. But Christ died for all of us at our what? At our worst. But God commended his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me. He died for you. For the wages of sin is death. Yes, the cost. But, oh, I like that word. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. How long is eternal? Forever. So if the gift is eternal life, can I lose that gift? The gift of God is temporary life as long as you do good. That's not what the Bible says. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. I can't earn my way, lest any man should boast. Romans 10, 13 tells us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, maybe this is your testimony, I don't know, but anybody here pray and ask Jesus to save you more than once? Sure. God, if I didn't mean it, I mean it now. Sure, we, we go through those things as humans, but there comes a point in time in your life where you recognize it's not about me. It's not about all the good I can do because the truth is none of us are really that good, are we? <laughs> I know I'm not. It's not about the good we can do. It's about what he did on the cross. He paid the way and it's up to me to accept it for myself. I'll never forget the day and I, I prayed and I said, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what was going through my brain. I said, I've been fighting you on this. Will you save me? And I'm telling you right now, like, like, look up here. I'm telling you as truthfully as I can, I felt like a truck was lifted off of me. The burden of sin was lifted off of me. And all I needed to do was to put, stop trying to do everything. Stop trying to be the perfect uh, guy and trying to do what I, I, I just, I just put it on him and he saved me. 
So my question for you tonight is, are you a new creature? Are old things passed away and become new? Tonight, you could accept Christ as your Savior. If you don't know him, we'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. But the Bible says that in Christ, we're new creatures. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit is in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You are bought with a what? You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't go to church to earn salvation. I go to church because I want to. Because I am saved. And because I know that I'm saved and I know that the Lord is in me, he is in me. And so because we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 14. Now you're in the Old Testament. We're going to flip over to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel. John chapter 14. This is an incredible verse talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe the Bible teaches that when you pray and accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you immediately. I believe the Bible teaches that. Immediately. As soon as you pray, my five-year-old son, last Saturday, before the soul winning meeting, He's the last of our sons that haven't accepted the Lord, and he prayed and accepted Christ as his Savior. I believe as soon as he prayed that, and you say, well, he's kind of young, and, you know, we're being careful about that. I'm trying to be careful. It's hard when your five-year-old is doing multiplication in his head, but um, when, as soon as he prayed, the Holy Spirit indwelled him. John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall what? That word is important. He shall teach. He shall teach you all things. The word teach implies that someone must what? You must learn. See, the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, will teach you, but you have to be willing to learn and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I, Jesus, is, Jesus says here, I, I have said unto you. So the fact is that if you are saved, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then there is no reason why you should live your life like a fool. The Holy Spirit will teach you. He will guide you. So what is the issue with Christians that live foolishly? The problem is the Holy Spirit is teaching and is guiding, but Christians refuse to learn. And then, of course, those who are not Christians, not all of them live foolishly necessarily. But the Bible says the fool have said in his heart, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. And so we don't have to live in a perpetual state of foolishness. The key to avoiding foolish living or the key to avoiding the foolish life is to be submitted to the Holy Spirit in a perpetual state of learning. Let me say that again. This would help you in your life. The key to avoiding the foolish life is to be submitted to the Holy Spirit in a perpetual state of learning. God is always teaching me. In other words, I need to stay submitted to what Christ teaches us through Bible reading, through prayer, through people that we counsel with, through preaching of God's words. We must keep learning. Practically speaking, what are some things that we struggle with learning in this chapter? While there are many things that we struggle with, tonight I just want to focus on five. And these are very quick. I know I had a longer introduction, but a very quick message. All right, here we go. Five things that this chapter says fools have a hard time learning, okay? Number one, a fool never learns to communicate. A fool never learns to what? Communicate. Look at verse 7. Excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips of prince. Someone once said that the key to a great marriage is communication. If you never have any, you'll never fight. 
How many know that's not true either? Amen. We all know that communication is very important, and yet we overlook that a lot in our life. Think about this. How often does the Bible speak about how we communicate? Be ye what? Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Be kind. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about communication. Be affectionate one to another. Honor your parents. Lie not one to another. And all of these things. The Bible talks a lot about communication, but oftentimes here's what the Christian does. Well, that's just the way that I am. I'm just short with people. That's just how I was raised. You don't have to live that way. Well, I got fired because I told the customer off. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. I was sitting at Kaiser today waiting for an optometry appointment, and I'm sitting there, and there's this dear lady behind the counter checking people in. Two people came in, just tearing this lady up and down because, you know, Kaiser doesn't have any appointments and all this stuff, and they're yelling at her, and she just kept smiling and said, I'm sorry. I hope you have a good day. I want an appointment. Give me a This one lady said, give me an appointment now. She goes, I don't have any appointments. I'm so sorry. Give me one right now. Give me, and she's just tearing her. And I almost gave her my appointment. I said, here, lady, just take my appointment. And I already have glasses. So, you know, but she just kept saying over and over again, I'm sorry, have a nice day. I thought to myself, I wonder if that lady's a Christian, you know? The Holy Spirit will help you with communicating. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. Marriage is communication. Parenting is communication. Getting a job and keeping a job is communication. Giving the gospel to someone is communication. Excellent speech becometh not a fool. A foolish person never learns how to communicate properly. How do we learn how to communicate? It starts with submission to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because sometimes people say something to me, and in my flesh, boy, I get mad. Anybody else? You understand the Bible says don't answer a fool according to their folly. You're wasting your time. And so in my flesh, I want to blah, blah. But the Holy Spirit says don't do that. And so what are some practical things? I don't have time to get into these, but it's just some thoughts. You might want to write these down. Help your communication skills. Read. Read. My boys and I are listening to the Pilgrim's Progress right now as we drive to school. Just read. Listen. Most of your communication should be listening. Amen. I struggle with that. Most of our communication should be listening. Number three, think. Your mom used to tell you this. Think before you what? Speak. Amen. Moving on. Fools never learn to communicate. Number two, a fool never learns from his mistakes. A fool never learns from mistakes. Look at verse 10 of Proverbs 17. The reproof entereth more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. Let a bear robbed of her whelps, verse 12, meet a man rather than a fool his folly. Boy, a, a foolish person will get punished over and over and over. I worked in law enforcement for a little bit of time, and the people that would come in every night or every weekend, they called them frequent flyers. And they, they had miles, they had pins and everything. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we call them frequent flyers. Why? They didn't learn from their what? Their mistakes. All, we all understand that children need rules. Is that correct? Children need rules. We need rules. We understand that children also need rewards. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion. And relationship without rules breeds resentment. If you're all buddy-buddy with your teenagers as they're growing up, and then they, as when they get older, you didn't have any rules, they're going to look back and say, why did my mom let me go out and hang out with those people every night and didn't check up on me? And it would breed resentment. And so children need rules. They need consequences for breaking rules. They also need reward for doing what's right. This is how we learn as children. But some people aren't raised in the balance of a home that's balanced with rules and reward. They're not taught consequences. So oftentimes, many people in life, as they grow up, they never grow up. 
And so they live their lives like children. The fool, though, blames his childhood for his parents' mistakes. Blames his mistakes for his childhood, I should say. That's what a fool does. With Christ, we can learn from our mistakes. I said with Christ in our life, we can learn from our mistakes. We don't have to blame everybody else. If you mess up, fess up. Hey, if you blow it, know it and grow from it. Amen? We must stop blaming others for our mistakes. Acknowledge them as as David did in Psalms 51 and learn from them. So a fool never learns to communicate. A fool never learns from his mistakes. Let me give you number three. A fool never learns to grow. Look at verse 16 with me. Wherefore, is there a price in the hand of a fool to get wisdom? See if he hath no heart to it. In other words, education is wasted on a fool. Young people, if you're here tonight, you're still in school. Listen to your pastor tonight. Listen to your parents. Listen to your aunts and uncles. Don't waste your education. And all, and all God's parents said, Amen. don't waste school. Don't get to be, you know, Brother JB and I, go our age, and look back and say, man, I wish I paid attention in school. I wish I paid attention in Bible college. And that's actually true. Amen. Don't waste your time. Uh, uh, a fool thinks in his heart, I don't need this. Look up here. Teenagers, look up here. That's a foolish person. If you think, I don't need school, I don't need to pass that test, I don't need to work hard, you're being foolish. Don't waste it. According to the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, 24% of students in the U.S. fail to meet basic level skills after leaving high school. Three quarters of them. We don't have time to get into what all that means. We have so many opportunities in America. Don't be a fool. Don't waste your education. Uh, Listen, pay attention in school. Do your best, even as adults. And by the way, adults, we haven't arrived just because we're out of school. We need to continue to grow. Grow spiritually. uh, Grow in our minds mentally. Grow in our prayer time. Grow in our Bible reading. Hopefully not growing physically too much. Amen? We have to quit. We have to quit wasting time and grow. Oh, we spend so much time watching television and all these things. But we need to grow. A foolish person never learns to grow. Just keep growing. Here's a couple questions for you. Is there something in your life that you quit that you need to pick up again? Maybe there's something in your life that you need improvement in, such as communication, habits, organization, these things. But a foolish person says, I don't need, I'm fine the way I am. A wise person keeps growing. Let me give you number four. Of course, this is all from Proverbs. Isn't Proverbs amazingly practical? Look at number four. A fool never learns to obey. Look at verse 21. He that begetteth or, uh, you know, gives birth to a child. Uh, He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow. The father of a fool hath no joy. Of course, not saying that a father gives birth, but you know what I'm saying. A father of a fool hath no joy. A foolish son is a what? Grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. This is a very similar point to point number two, that a fool never learns from his mistakes, but it's different in a few ways. Take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm almost done. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 6. Young people, look up here. All you young people, if you're younger than 10, say, I'm paying attention, pastor. Okay, good. Good. Say I am now. <laughs> Look at Ephesians chapter number six. Let's read verse number one. The whole church together. Ready to begin. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your what? What if I don't think that they're right? What if I think that they're wrong? You obey. I had a young man come to my office maybe about six months. No, longer than that. 
with COVID, I don't remember how long things were ago, and maybe a year ago, came to my office. He said, Pastor, he said, I don't know what to do. He said, uh, I think that I want to do this, and, and my parents think I want to do that. And he goes, what do you think I should do? He's, he's 18 years old. I said, well, I said, God will always bless you if you do what your parents tell you to do. He said, I'll do it. That's the way it ought to be. He said, well, what if they're wrong? doesn't matter. God blesses obedience. Now, if your parents are asking you to do something that's unbiblical, I'm not talking about that. And that's 0.0000001% of the time. Most of the time, it's just you don't want to do it. And you think you're right. You're not right. God gave you parents to help you. There have been times in my life, and I'm a 30-something-year-old man. And, and there are times in my life I don't know what to do. And I determine I'm going to ask for advice, and I'm going to do what the advice is given. And it may not be advice I like, but I do it. Why? God blesses that. And so not all the time, you know, we got to be careful with, with what I'm saying here, but I'm just saying when it comes to parents and a child, obey your parents. Now, if you're younger at home, you're younger than, uh, you know, 18 or whatever, and you're at home, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. I believe honor. I don't have to obey my parents now that I'm a man. I have my own family. I don't need to obey them, but I honor them. Everything that comes out of these lips ought to honor my parents and my wife's parents and my wife's grandparents and my grandparents. Well, they were a drunk, but doesn't matter. Honor thy father and thy mother. God will bless your life for that. You say, well, they're this and they're that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I don't see any, uh, any parentheses here. Verse 3, that it may be what? Well with your parents. No, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. See, this, this thing of obedience, learning to obey, helps us, those who learn how to obey. This begins in childhood. We learn from the youngest ages, or we should, to obey our parents to obey authority. But obedience doesn't end in childhood. I said obedience doesn't end at childhood. For those of you that are men that are married, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, obedience is a character trait that we must keep learning at every stage in life. When I was in Bible college, well, actually, I wasn't in Bible college yet. My mom and dad uh, allowed me to go to, to a, a Bible college my senior year. I stayed in the dorms, and I went to my senior year. So I left home. I was How old was I? So pretty close to being 18, I left home, went there, stayed in the Bible college, and I remember having a rebellious spirit. I remember them telling me at 10 o'clock, and they came by, JB, you know this, they came by and they flipped the lights off in my room. I'm almost 18 years old, you're going to flip the lights off on me? I remember thinking that. The man who did that to me, his name is Neil Hawker, he was a Baptist, he was a Baptist pastor in Modesto, and he flipped the lights off, he goes, he goes go to bed, Delzell, flip the lights off. I thought, you got to be kidding me. And I remember really struggling with that. I remember coming to my room the next day, and there was a little piece of paper on my bed. And it said, five demerits, not making your bed. I thought, I'm almost 18 years old. I'm getting in trouble for not making my bed? I went into the dean's office there. And uh, he's such a wonderful man, Brother Weaver. He's been here. You know Brother Weaver. And he looked at me. He said, let me ask you a question. And I was talking about this stuff, and I was having a hard time with this concept. And he said, listen, he goes, what's more manly? What's the harder thing? To do what you're told or to do whatever you want? I said, to do what I'm told is harder. He goes, that's more manly. That's, that's being a man is, is, is obeying authority. You're actually being more of a man by obeying authority than being a little punk 
and disobeying authority. Well, that stuck with me, and it's helped me. Because I want to tell you something. I've seen people, and you have too, they don't think they have to obey the police. That's a big mistake. I don't care what you've seen on Facebook. It's a mistake. I've been in law enforcement. You don't want to disobey the police. You do what you're told. Amen. There are the authority. If a police officer pulls you over, I'm getting on a rabbit trail. Obey authority. That's, that's the thing here. A fool never learns that. They never learn authority. How come so many people become fools? I think it's because around age 11 or 12, they start to understand things at a little bit of a deeper level. They start to see flaws in their parents and in authority figures. And the seed of rebellion is planted in our flesh and it starts to flower. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. We end up saying things like, why should I listen to you as teenagers? Why, why should I listen to you? A young person with an incomplete view of the world begins to find plot holes in what the authorities figure says. And the pastor uh, at that church fails or the dad lost his temper or the mother threw a plate at the father. And in an unwise, undeveloped mind of a young person, they begin to question authority and thus rebellion is born. This is why, parents, it's so important we develop relationships with our teenagers because that relationship will help walk our young people through this rebellious stage and and helping explain to them why, yes, we as parents make mistakes. We're doing the best job that we can. And we love you more than life itself. And we try to explain, but it takes that relationship. And so we understand that a fool never learns how to obey. Let me give you number five and I'm done tonight. So a fool never learns to communicate, never learns from his mistakes, never learns how to grow, never learns how to obey. And then let me give you the last one tonight. A fool never learns when to be quiet. Never learns when to be quiet. Can you just picture King David explaining this to his son? Look at verse 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. But he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. This is my greatest struggle. Does anybody identify with me on this? This is my greatest struggle. It's just when do I keep my mouth closed, you know? Thank you, Joey. Thanks for saying amen. A fool never learns quite when to just keep their mouth closed. They say that 93% of our communication is nonverbal. People see our expressions, our facial expressions, our body language. Sometimes we don't even need to say anything to communicate. We must learn how to be quiet. I said we must learn how to be quiet. And all God's people said, amen. We must learn that. That's a foolish person never learns when to just be quiet. The Apostle Paul chides the Thessalonian church about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, study to be quiet. In other words, learn how to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands. You know what the problem with Facebook is? Is we're in everybody else's business. As we, co- we are commanded to study to be quiet. Have you ever firmly, securely placed your foot in your mouth? Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I, would, I wish I would learn not to do that? We can. Isn't that a blessing? We can through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, help me with this right now. Tell me what to say. Help me not to say something foolish. Lord, I'm upset right now. I'm angry. Help me to walk through this. Lord, I'm, I'm upset. I'm, I'm struggling with depression. What do I say? Lord, I, I, I'm having a hard time. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to communicate how frustrated I am? Would you help me to communicate? Lord, help me. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can teach us when to be quiet. 
I'll take you to one last verse and then we'll close tonight. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. You say, how does the Holy Spirit help us? I'm glad you asked. The Holy Spirit helps us with the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the manifestations of what the Spirit does in our life. Galatians chapter number 5. And I know that I think the fit men are going through the fruits of the Spirit right now. Is that right? Or just went through that. Our addictions program, the men are doing that right now. And most of them are graduated doing awesome But look at Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that means patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance is being able to control yourself. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, those things that we want to do that we're not supposed to do, the temptations, looking at, thinking about things we shouldn't do. When we are crucified with Christ, we're we're crucified to those things. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we'll have fruits of the Spirit. So if you're saved tonight, if you have Christ in your life, you don't have to live foolishly. If you allow yourself, if if you make yourself, I should say, Walk in the Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can have fruit in your life. All these things are such good things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. But boy, don't we need the Holy Spirit to help us with those things. So, tonight, do you know Christ as your Savior? If you do, learn. Let the Holy Spirit teach you and learn. A fool never learns to communicate. We ought to let the Holy Spirit help us with communication. A fool never learns from his mistakes. If we make a mistake, if we mess up, what? Fess up. Let's say that together. If you mess up, up. just to fess up. God, I'm sorry. Fool never learns to grow. May we commit to growth. A fool never learns to obey. May we commit to obeying. A fool never learns when to be quiet. 